1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: The Volume.
3: Can you believe we're this deep into the NFL season? we got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on any matchup. So right now, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use the code JOHN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in West Virginia. Visit www. 1-800-GAMBLER.NET. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Booty Casino and Resort Kansas, must be 21 or older in eligible states, but ages vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash terms. What is going on, everybody? How are we doing? John Middlecop, that's me. Three and out podcast. That's this show. Uh, We just watched the Ravens destroy the Bengals. Story of the game, though, is Joseph Burrow's hand, which does not look good. And I'm recording this right after the game, so I don't have, by the time you listen to this Friday, maybe there'll be some Schefter rap sheet breaking news. But clearly did not look good, and the Bengals are in major trouble. The Ravens now 8-3 and three, uh, and got a chance to make some serious noise. Obviously, they're really good. Other than that, we will dive into... Uh, Some thoughts on the internet controversy of Carissa Thompson and just sideline reporters in general. We will bounce around the NFL. Dan Campbell tells Texas A&M, no thanks. I'm a lion. Uh, Some big week coming up for the Dolphins, the Steelers, Christian McCaffrey, as well as uh, my bold take of the week. Uh, I just nailed one last week with C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. And I might be going against them a little bit this week, but we will dive into all that. You guys know the drill. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you may listen. We have a new YouTube channel right now. So if you go to uh, um, all the 3 and Out content is on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to that as well. Appreciate everyone that does. And uh, thevolume.com, thevolume.com, we got merch. But first, let's tell you about a friend of mine a very good friend of mine, someone asked, John, is Game Time sending you to Vegas this weekend for the F1 race? I said, well, I didn't even really know what was going on, but if I wanted to go, hell yeah, they would have. I'm playing golf on Saturday. I'm watching college football. Not the biggest racing guy, but if you want to go to the racing event, do you want to go to any event? Download the Game Time app right now on your smartphone. Game Time, download that bad boy. Buy a pair of tickets. You name the event. They got you covered. Concerts, comedy shows as well. And when you check out your first pair of tickets, use a little promo code. John, J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N. That's my name. Very, very easy to use, J-O-H-N, and get $20 off. Inflationary times, any time that you can save a couple dollars. I don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Any event you want to go to, College Pro Concerts, Comedy Shows, download the Game Time app, the official ticketing app of this podcast. And use that promo code John for $20 off. Okay, the story of the night. Obviously, the health of Joe Burrow. And the one thing in the NFL, when you have a quarterback of Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, you name it. An elite, Lamar Jackson. And they go down. I'm sorry, your season is over. Now, depending on the time of year and what your record is, You might still be able to make the playoffs, but you have no chance to do anything. Like, that's clear. I don't need to uh, explain that to anyone listening. We've all watched football long enough. I think the question mark is, is in situations like this, and the sad part is, is early in the season, it was hard to watch Joe Burrow. And I was texting with some buddies, like, when Joe Burrow was on, like the version we saw a couple weeks ago against the 49ers, you could argue that's like the best player in the league. He's every bit as good as Patrick Mahomes when he's playing like that, especially given the weaponry that he has currently and that Patrick doesn't, right? Now, I'm not saying he's necessarily a better player, but I don't think there's a big difference when he's on. Now, clearly this year, from that, and then the last couple weeks, whatever he's been dealing with his hand. And listen, I didn't have any money on the game tonight, but if I had bet, I 100% would have put it on the Bengals plus four. Because, well... It's a big game for the Ravens. They still have a lot of room for error. They have multiple. They had two less losses, even though they blew last week. This is a game that the Bengals, if they want to make the playoffs, have to win. I know it's on the road. I know it's a short week. I don't care. A lot like the Bills last week, it's very, very difficult to go 5-5 five and five in the conference and have a chance to make a run. And let's face it, they were already behind the eight ball the way they started. So to like something shady happened in the injury report and we got to know, like we're all in bed with these gambling partners and no one more than the NFL. You can't have a guy walk into the stadium with something on his hand. We knew about the finger, right? He'd been battling the finger the last couple weeks, but clearly this was something different and I don't give a shit what they say after the game and I'm sure they're going to try to, you know, kind of downplay it. That is unacceptable. And one thing the NFL is pretty good about is not allowing that to happen. It didn't bother me a couple weeks ago when it happened with the Falcons and, like, Bijan Robinson got sick the night before. It's like, whatever, that happens. But in this situation, when a guy shows up to the game with something happen, when clearly you've practiced all week and, and he's not on the injury report, that is not allowed. I don't blame Joe Burrow. That's on the team. And if the league digs deep and finds something weird or nefarious – you fucking hammer them, because that is not allowed. That is not how this league operates. When someone is injured, there's no hiding this. It's not the NBA. This isn't golf, which I gamble on a lot, where you never know anything about the injuries. They, but they love everyone gambling on it. Like, everything's above board in the NFL. That's why the injury reports are very, very serious. Hell, before gambling was ever legal, whatever, 12, 13 years ago, my first year in the NFL, I used to hand out the injury report. I mean, the, the teams take them very, very seriously on both sides, and that, that, that was just weird. Now, big picture, it didn't look good, <laughs> let's face it. Uh, sitting here, like, I, I don't have any information, but it looked like some combination of what Roethlisberger did a couple years ago and what happened to Brock Purdy last year the NFC Championship game when he couldn't grip the ball. And there was a slow-motion play of him trying to grip the ball and throw a pass after he came out of the game, and he couldn't do it. And as just a lover of sport and as a lover of great players, like I, I say it all the time, I watch pro sports, For the great players. Like, I show up for Lamar, for Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. Some of you maybe show up for the overachievers, the great stories, the seventh rounders who's hanging on. Not me. I am watching the NFL or baseball or basketball or whatever for Lewis Hamilton, Tiger Woods, and Tom Brady. That's what draws the majority of us. Now, I appreciate a lot of other stuff about football, including the Bengals, who have a lot of really good players. Obviously, a very good defensive coordinator, but that team goes as Joe Burrow goes. If you would have said to the majority of people that watch Pac-12 football, and while we're having a little bit of a comeback on the year before the conference gets blown up, it was a rough stretch there for a while. I'll be the first to admit, a lot of us started watching a lot of SEC football in the middle part of the 2010s, right? About 2014-15, you know, you kind of had to pay strong attention to the SEC because the football was so bad but Jake Browning was part of a team coached by Chris Peterson at Washington that was really, really good. The problem was I never thought he was that good. And I watch a ton of college football. And obviously the hard part is you, you, there's some no brainers. Like you watch a Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, certain players in college, like Jordan Addison last year, like guys are going to play in the NFL. You watch a guy like Jake Browning and you go, I wonder if he's going to be a good coach. Like, I wonder if he'll go on to, you know, run a bank. I wonder what he's going to do with his post-collegiate career. And then you look up several years later, and one of the stars in the NFL is walking in the locker room. And they're like, Jake Browning warming up. It's like, Jake Browning is your backup quarterback? And listen, he's a Sacramento guy. I've followed his career for close to a decade now, it feels like. But it's pretty nuts. And I understand you are limited what you can do. We saw this forever with the Colts and I think you see this right now with the Bills or even the Chiefs, they're not going to have a backup that makes substantial money that you're going to feel good about. All your chips are in the middle of the table on the one individual. And it's not that big a deal, right, until that individual is in the locker room or on the sideline and it's clear he ain't coming back and maybe not coming back for a while. Now, I'm going to give you a glass half full take here. The Bengal team that we saw beat the shit out of the 49ers, that looked like a team that could win the Super Bowl. Like, that version of the Bengals was like, damn, this is is a squad that can really make some noise. The version we saw last week, just a couple weeks later, against the Houston Texans, obviously Higgins is out with a hamstring injury, which is pretty, uh, I would call a major hamstring injury. It wasn't like a slight tweak. I mean, the guys missed multiple games. And let's face it, we all know hamstring injuries when it comes to skill guys, Whose game is predicated on running, it's not an easy thing to come back to from. I mean, he might have been out a long time. So, the team that that team is different than this version of the team. And the same thing with the week later when they beat the Bills. I think Higgins had, you know, over 100 yards and like eight or nine catches. So, you remove him and obviously Joe Burrow, like they're screwed. They're, they're done. They, they might not win another game. That, that's how dire it can get. But here's, I'm, I'm going to give you the bright side of the equation here. Is like sometimes your season really was kind of weird to begin with. Beside the couple week stretch, 49ers and Bills, you were off. And more than likely, even if you had stayed healthy, maybe it just wasn't your year. Maybe this was the year something weird happened. You got bounced in the first round. Aren't you better off in a situation of getting bounced in the first round? Just go six and eleven, assuming everything big picture is going to be fine with Joe Burrow, and I'm going to assume that right now, and just restocking the cupboard with you know maybe drafting ninth. And having the ninth pick in every round, like you, you were never going to have that opportunity ever again. I remember years ago, different scenario here, but the Atlanta Falcons traded up to get Julio Jones. And remember Thomas Dimitrov? One of his famous stories was like he called Belichick, and Belichick's like, "Don't do it." It's like, Thomas, <laughs> good lesson learned. If you're going to make a draft decision, he's probably the not the guy to call. Like, call Ozzie Newsom call, call someone else. Bill Polian, anyone else who might know what they're doing in a draft. Belichick, a lot of other things to ask him for advice. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of a National Football League draft, I I wouldn't call him then. But he said, Belichick said, don't do it. He did it anyway, because he's like, with Matt Ryan, we're never going to draft high enough to get a player like this. And obviously Julio went on to be one of the better players in franchise history, and it worked. Well, part of it was like they had to trade way up to get that because they were always going to be in the late teens or the 20s. With Matt Ryan. Well, this is going to be... I mean, with the Bengals this year, let's just say they don't win another game. And all of a sudden, you look at the draft day, and they're drafting seventh. Like, you can just remake your team. That happened to the Lions last year. Like, the Lions were already good, and then they also had whatever the Rams pick, and they turned it into Gibbs and Laporta. It's like they kind of got to restock. And let's face it, you would much rather have the Bengals situation, just because you got freaking Joe Burrow, than anything the Lions have. And the Lions obviously have a lot going for them. So... I don't think it's the worst case scenario, assuming there's nothing like career ender here. If he's out for the season, so be it. Lose out, restock the team. You're going to need some cheaper labor. You need some younger players. Uh, Obviously, the T. Higgins situation looms large, but maybe it's just not your year. And it sucks as a football fan not to be able to watch Joe Burrow because he's one of the guys in this league that draws you to TV. He's one of the guys in this league which kind of makes this thing the behemoth that it is in terms of the amount of us that watch. And the Ravens. Like, I don't really know what to say. It turned out once he went out, they were never going to lose this game. I mean, Lamar Jackson was running around just hitting the ground like, we ain't losing this game. Uh, It was fun to watch Odell Beckham, who my girlfriend, early on in the game, it might have been their first series. might have been like the second play of the game. They threw a bomb to Beckham. And actually, it looked like he had a step. Lamar overthrew him, and Al goes like, uh, you know, something, throw deep to Beckham, and she goes, I didn't know Beckham had a son, and I looked at her, I'm like, Beckham had a son, David Beckham, no, no, this is Odell Beckham Jr., no relation to David Beckham, but he looks good, fun player, they're actually a fun team, and I think they're going to look back on that game that they blew against Cleveland and kick themselves, because that ultimately might be their undoing for the number one seed, but... Before I hopped on, I wrote their remaining schedule. They're obviously eight and three. They have a long break now because the kind of the mini buy. They play the Chargers next week. Uh, they win that. They're nine and three. They're in pretty good shape because then they play the Rams, ten and three. Then they play the Jags, who I don't think are as bad as they showed last week. But I saw some quotes from Doug about Trevor's knee not being right. So I think they would have a chance. I mean, they'll be, probably be favored in that game, eleven and three. And then they got a really tough stretch at 49ers, Dolphins, Steelers. But I think you're looking at a twelve, probably best case scenario, thirteen win team. And a team now, I think a lot like the Bengals the last couple years, Joe Burrow proved like I'm a championship level player. Right? Like I know he hasn't won a championship, but you watch Joe Burrow, you're like, that guy is going to be a champion if he's on a good team and he stays healthy because he's that good. Right? You like watch James Harden. You're like, Yeah, you're never winning a championship. You watch Russell Westbrook, you're like, no fucking chance. None. (laughs) Like, you guys are never winning a championship. You watch Joe Burrow, even Josh Allen. I would put Lamar in that category. It's like, to me, they're good enough to win championships. You just got to do it. And I think Josh Allen, a lot like Lamar Jackson, it's like, you got to make some hay in these big games. So, clearly, this team's really good. Defensively, they're good. Their passing game is so much better. We'll see what happens with Mark Andrews. What do they call it? The hip tackle. I know everyone freaks out on, uh, on the internet streets. It doesn't bother me as much. I mean, it's just, it's football, you tackle them. No one's ever trying to hurt anyone with tackling. Obviously, it looks like they're going to ban that tackle. I, I, I'm not as up in arms about everyone else. I, I truly believe. Now, I understand the injury risk that comes along with it. But I, I think it's pretty clear in 2023, no defender is trying to injure anybody. They're just trying to do the best to get a guy on the ground, which I don't know if anyone played peewee football, high school football, let alone college or the pros. Tackling's hard. Like, it's difficult to get really good players to the ground. I think now, I mean, if you had to handicap, I was thinking about this, you know, mid-game. Burrow out, Deshaun out, Rodgers out. I mean, Herbert might miss the playoffs. Like, the Steelers don't have a quarterback. Tua's the Dolphins quarterback. That's no shade. Tua's had a good year. Like this is, the the Chiefs passing game is questionable. The defense is good, and they're built for the playoffs. And if they have home field, like this is a moment for Lamar. I mean, there's a decent chance that the AFC championship, whether you're hosting or you got to go there, is you taking on Mahomes. You know, and Harbaugh, you taking on Andy. Be a big moment for the franchise. The franchise is big time, right? I mean, toward the end of the game, they show Ozzie Newsome who once upon a time, the owner said, is going to be the highest paid retired GM in NFL history. So obviously Ozzy still plays a role there. He's still around. Like The Ravens are a high-level fucking franchise. And if I had to bet right now, it feels like some of these injuries, with the way things are shaping up, I would go Ravens-Chiefs right now as the clear two-headed monster in the AFC. And then just before we leave this Thursday night game, many of you, if you're listening to this, probably didn't see because not everybody has Twitter. And I I think one big picture thing when it comes to the sports media, and I think just the media in general, but let's just start with the sports media. I don't think there's ever been a bigger disconnect with what they get worked up about than what us, the fans, and the people at home consuming the games think about. And ultimately, these games exist just like anyone in the media, whether you're a writer, whether you are a TV host, whether you have a podcast or whatever, because of fans, they, they are the important people here. Like, why does Amazon dominate? Because they are consumer-friendly and they have a lot of consumers. Without the consumer, there is no Amazon. Apple doesn't have all the money without all of us buying all the products. The media doesn't exist when it comes to sports if we are not consuming them. We dictate it. And I think sometimes their feelings and emotions get ahead of themselves. And listen, calling an NFL game I can't, it's very, very difficult. I tried to call a game one time in college, a baseball game, and I was like, this is not for me. So I, I, I have a ton of respect for that. I do think a lot of the writing community, the guys that write and girls that write, they can be bitter, I think, sometimes. Because there is a lot more money in the audio place and obviously on television. And, and there's a bitterness that I think if you follow a lot of these people on Twitter that they can't even hide. And Carissa Thompson, who has been part of the NFL world for a long, long time, who is, I think, very, very good at her job, was on with Pardon My Take, the biggest podcast in America when it comes to sports, and said that a couple times during her career, you know, coming out of halftime, the coach didn't come out, she could not grab him, and she essentially made up a report. You know, like, Coach Harbaugh said the game plan, they're going to stick with the run game, And continue to be physical on defense. Back to you, Troy. I got news for you. None of us that watch football. And the whole reason any of this exists, why Amazon paid all this fucking money for the National Football League, is because of us sitting on the couch streaming that game. And listen, I'm not trying to throw shade at sideline reporters. I'm sure it's a hard gig. I've never done it. But it doesn't matter. If they went away tomorrow, none of us would notice. None of us would notice. In basketball, they are so pointless. I personally think you gain little. Now, sometimes with an injury, for sure. If I, I would even be a little worked up if she had just said she had made up injuries. But she literally said that she made up a report talking about like, we're going to run the ball and be physical. The reports in that situation are always the same. Rinse, wash, repeat. They literally never change. And I think sometimes in the sphere of people that cover sports, there is like this inflated self-importance. Like ultimately, this is fun. It's obviously a profession, but it's not that big a deal. <laughs> like, And I think there can be an inflated, and it, this is no different than coaches and players, anybody. I mean, it's in, any walk of life. But some of this, the athletic reached out to Amazon and they declined to comment reached out to Amazon about Carissa Thompson's comments on the podcast, that's that's insanity. You reach out to Amazon, maybe if one of their people got arrested for like domestic violence and were on air, or if they were interested in purchasing, I don't know, the NBA, to reach out, that to me is the perfect example of the gap between what's interested the media and what ultimately the consumer wants. And the other thing I find funny, and I saw this a lot from, uh, you know, the the media brethren on social media. is like, this is what leads to the distrust from the fan in the media. It's like, no dog, we lost trust in you guys a long, long time ago. If you think anyone is up in arms and losing trust over some useless comment after halftime from Pete Carroll or Sean McVay, you are living in la-la land. Okay, let's go around the NFL. I-, I saw a headline today. Obviously, Texas A&M paid Jimbo Fisher $700 million to leave. And they need a new coach. Well, if you're willing, in all seriousness, they paid him $76 million. I actually saw the breakdown. It's like, I think they paid him $19 million. Next year, it's like $6 million. And then for like six straight years, it's $7 million. Listen, I, I love to work. Uh, I- I've been working a lot my entire life uh since I left college now granted I've only worked in one industry and it's the only thing I've ever done is work in some form of football so I enjoy what I do but if you paid me a substantial amount of money not to work and listen I say it all the time like money it, I don't get that much juice now granted I've never been paid seven million dollars a year for eight straight years not to work I, that's got to be a pretty powerful feeling I mean it really does <laughs> would leave you a lot of options to do a lot of different things. If you're semi-curious in life, you, you could just go down a lot of rabbit holes, figure it like with your body, and, and do them. It'd, it'd probably be quite the experience, at least for a couple years until you got bored. But rumors were Dan Campbell played at Texas A&M. And here's the thing. We've seen a lot of times in the NFL, guys could not hack it. They just did not belong. Most recently, Urban Meyer had no business being in the NFL. But we've seen other guys, like, have a moment, but it's like, you're not an NFL coach. Chip Kelly, like, get out of here. Uh, Nick Saban, come on, go, go. And they go to the pro- college, and Chip, not necessarily, but Nick Saban, Bobby Petrino, these guys are much more suited for college football. If you win in the NFL, if you're having success, even if you're on, quote-unquote, the shittiest franchise, Right? The best franchises aren't even necessarily the biggest brands. Just, they kind of are because you're more famous. It's whoever's paying you the most. Like, when Bill Belichick got to the New England Patriots, they weren't some enormous brand in the NFL. He helped create them with Tom Brady to now viewed as one of the big, quote-unquote, brands in the NFL, right? If you're the coach of the Cowboys, if you're the coach of the Steelers, remember last year, or was it two years ago, when Mike Tomlin was asked about USC? Would he be interested in going to USC? Why? Because he's like, cool, and would recruit well. (laughs) And he was offended. I mean, he was offended. I don't blame him. If, If the Pittsburgh Steelers want you to be their head coach, there is no college job that would even be strong enough for you to pick up the fucking phone. Now, the Lions, historically, are one of those jobs that, like, ah, do you really want to coach the Lions? But if I told you the Lions are good... And they're playing the Bears this week. Though I kind of like the Bears plus eight. Lions look like they're going to be eight and two. And more than likely, they're headed toward 12 and 13 wins. But this is clearly not just some one-off situation. The rest of their teams in their division don't have quarterbacks. Their team is really, really young. A lot of guys on rookie contracts. And Dan is like, kind of fits the city. So even if Texas A&M was willing to pay him $30 million, and the Lions would be like, Dan, we'll give you like a five, six-year contract, but we won't match the money. It ain't even about the money. When it comes to recruiting, the transfer portal, here's the thing. Do you know if you want to transfer in the NFL, I don't have to trade you, right? You're like, I want a trade. You can just say, no. Remember the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, a couple years ago, like, trade me. And they're like, see you at training camp, Aaron. That was the best player in the NFL. And they're like, uh, camp starts July 27th. In college, if I want to trade and I hit that transfer portal, I literally just leave. When it comes to boosters, in the National Football League, you answer to one individual. It's the owner. In college, you answer to the eight boosters, the athletic director, the provost, the president, and seven other morons. It it is not even close. So I understand why Texas A&M thinks their money can buy them anything, but I also appreciate Dan Campbell Florio wrote, like, he already just reached, like, his intermediate were like, yeah, we're not interested. Like, he didn't even use them to get an extension, which I'm sure he's going to get at the end of the season. But I think it's a good example of the difference of the NFL in college. Because historically, the Lions, if it was college football, like, who, who would they be? I mean, pick a team that is just Boston College. Uh, I, I don't even know. I mean, who's, like, the shittiest Rutgers and even Rutgers have had some moments in my life with Greg Schiano, So I, I would say the Lions, if it was a college football program, would clearly of the power five be one of the worst. Yet Dan Campbell doesn't even contemplate leaving, which is the right move because you never leave the NFL. Okay, a uh, couple other things around the NFL. Big week for Pittsburgh. And we talked about them earlier this week. They're getting DTR. You can't, listen, they have had one of the crazier statistical seasons. Uh, in terms of a team being outscored, being outgained, uh, and just looking from the eye test, abysmal on offense. Yet they win this game, they'd be 7-3. and three. Now, it's on the road, divisional opponent, things get weird, but you're playing Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who's a really good athlete and who in the preseason looked like, I, I don't know, he was the next coming of like Lamar Jackson meets Josh Allen. But as we all learn, the preseason does not translate like that, so... I'm fascinated to watch this game. Uh, I actually feel bad for Browns fans. Not even because I'm like I'm not even a, I don't even like Deshaun Watson, but I like the story of the franchise. I appreciate the fan base at home. This is just I like this division. One thing I thought about tonight watching the Ravens play the Bengals, like there are a lot of guys in the NFL who are probably solid players who I don't know if they could play consistently in, in that division. It's really cold. It's really physical. I mean, it just feels like the tough guy division. And you put two of those teams, now that they're all pretty good, on at the same, you know, playing against each other, in any, you know, you take any four and you match them up, you'll get my eyes because there's a physicality to those games. Even the night early on before Burrow went out and the Bengals had hope, there's just an edge. Uh, there's an edge to their crowd. It's always fucking freezing. For those of us on the West Coast, I mean it's cold today in Arizona it's like 78 degrees you look up it's just like they're wearing beanies you can see their breath there's just there's just a violence a physicality mixed in with the cold and the weather to that that division that I've always appreciated as someone who hates the cold I used to ski a lot it's like I'm not even interested in skiing I don't want snow in my socks anymore I'll just sit in the bar and watch television come get me after but i I'm I'm fascinated by that game another game I'm pretty interested in is Miami and the Raiders. Now, we've talked a lot this week, in the last couple weeks, about Antonio Pierce. I actually think this could be a tough spot for him because the more and more I thought about it, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to go to the DraftKings Sportsbook and place a pretty big wager on Oregon State this week. And I was like, you know, should I also, you know, the Raiders getting a lot of points? And then I was like, I'm going to take a rookie quarterback on the road against Vic Fangio. Like, that seems pretty crazy. Off a bye. Like, ah, I'm, I probably need to pump the brakes there. Like, this is a spot, and, and listen, as someone, and you Miami fans get on my ass because I, I don't put you on a tier. Now, granted, this year, how could I? I've seen you play real good teams and get worked. It's kind of open it up for you, right? The Bills kicked your ass. That Bills team is long gone, long gone. Those defensive players are gone. This version of Josh Allen, even though statistically I saw someone say, everyone's acting like he's some scrub, he is statistically easily, even with the game the other night, a top three quarterback in the NFL. He's had a better season than Lamar Jackson. His moments, two of them, have just come on Monday Night Football, but the totality of his year actually is not very bad. I think we can do that sometimes. It's always been a Ryan Rosillo thing, that we, and it's so true. You know, in other sports, like you play Sunday Night Baseball or TNT Doubleheader on Thursday in basketball, it doesn't really matter. You play so many games. In football, if you play Monday Night Football you play Sunday Night Football and you're a primetime you know, name and you shit the bed, it's like, God, is this guy losing it? Is this guy slipping? was like, wait, he leads the league in touchdowns. It's like one bad game because you might throw five touchdowns, but if you're playing in the morning slate on Sunday afternoon, people change that channel after the second quarter when you're up by 25 points. I've done that to the Bills a couple times this year. Did it twice early in the season. When they played the Raiders, and when they played the Dolphins, I'm like, this game was over before half. But you watch them on Monday night, you're like, God, Josh Allen, do they need to have an intervention with the guy? And he's like, actually, I think he's okay. Uh, Clearly not for their standards, but overall, I think we've overreacted a little bit there. But this is a good spot for Miami, right? Because you're coming in, you're getting a rookie quarterback, an interim head coach. If you're a real deal team, like, you kill these fucking guys. You destroy them. You win this game by 25 points. Uh, I'll I'll definitely have my eyes there. I saw that McCaffrey has a chance. He's got, he's like four receptions away from passing Roger Craig as the most receptions through seven years at running back. It really is amazing when, you know, trades can do a couple things for players, right? For Vaughn Miller, it led to a super bowl and an enormous payday. And honestly, that payday was all because of that three or four game playoff stretch. It really was weak, weak, would have been 18 at the time against the 49ers. And then all the playoff games where he had a sack in every playoff game and won a Super Bowl. And he got $55 million from the Bills. Listen, I love Von Miller, but an older player, even at the time before he had torn his ACL, that contract was insanity. That that was nuts. But the trade did it. It really revitalized his name. Now, he was older, right? He was over 30. McCaffrey was like 26 years old and rotting away on not the biggest NFL brand and they're terrible. So, like, no one's paying attention. And he comes to the 49ers, and he's immediately a superstar again. <laughs> like, a, an absolute, like, rock star in the NFL. And that's what happens when you play for good teams, especially when they're big brands. And today I saw McCaffrey said that Trent Williams the best player he's ever seen. They asked Trent Williams about it, and he said that's right back out Christian McCaffrey. And I, I think he was being nice, but I think what he's saying is, like, this guy's one of the best players in the NFL. And let's be real. I know he had some really good years early on in his career, but he had kind of been out of sight, out of mind, injury prone, whatever. The 49ers trade, I mean, changed the course of this guy's career. He's still got a long ways to go, but, and listen, the running back position, you get injured. But given the coach, given the way this team plays, given how they use them, I mean, if he could stay healthy now for several, three, four years, I mean, you'd be talking about a Hall of Fame level player. And that, that was never going to happen in Carolina. I know he got to make a lot of money there. He got to have those couple years of doing the cool stats. But it was all kind of hollow. And now he gets to be part of a team that's winning big. And, and he's, you know, one of the engines behind it. So it's it's kind of cool to see. Okay, let's do the Guinness Bold Take of the Week. Now, I've taken some big swings this, this year. And I've missed on a decent amount of them. Then I started getting close. Started saying, this is the week a guy gets fired. Then all of a sudden, Frank Reich... Demotes himself. And I'm like, really close. And then I said, you know, something with Caleb Williams. And it it almost happened. And then last week, I said the Houston Texans would go into Cincinnati. They would win the game. And C.J. Stroud would throw his hat in the ring as an MVP candidate. And then it happened. Well, this week, I'm going to go against the Houston Texans. Because I think everyone and their mother, and rightfully so, based on what has happened so far this year, is going to go the Houston Texans. Could they take on the Ravens? Could this team with C.J. Stroud handle the Chiefs? And this happens every year. A team, especially a younger team, newer head coach, younger quarterback, catches a little fire, everyone bets on him. I love, I I don't like, I love the Arizona Cardinals. And this is, I love D'Amico Ryans, and I love C.J. Stroud. And I think over the course of the next couple years, they are going to be a serious factor if this quarterback can play at this level because they are going to be dramatically better the next couple years as they get more draft picks. They still have the Browns draft pick, which could turn out to be pretty good because they might just start losing with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. This team, to me, is going to be 2024-2025. Watch out. I I do think this year, though, they're going to tease us a little bit. As we've seen, I mean, a couple weeks ago, they lost to the Carolina Panthers. I think the Arizona Cardinals this week, who – have been a bizarre team, but now that Kyler's back, what if they're actually kind of good now? Just because you're not used to playing, there aren't that many guys like him. Unless you're playing Lamar Jackson, how do you get used to, there were a couple scramble runs in that game. I I said this last week, I don't know if he's 100%, but he damn sure is closer to 100% than he is like 75. And his speed at 85, 90% is faster than the majority of guys in the NFL. It's why, listen, we can nitpick him, Dude loves a good Call of Duty, playing with his buddies with an ear set in. You know, don't totally blame him. The graphics in these games now are pretty incredible, especially if you can play online. But when you're making a lot of money to play quarterback, you need you in the playbook. And I understand he's driven some people nuts. <laughs> Might not have been the most mature guy, but as a physical talent, there's a reason a guy five foot nine was a no-brainer number one overall talent. Like, Bryce Young, you watch him, you go, God, this is going to have to go really well. You can put Kyler on a shitty team, run around, you're like, damn. This guy's enormous arm, elite speed, built like a little tank, even though he's short. I kind of think the Arizona Cardinals go in there. And that's not the the craziest take. I mean, they're only a four-point. I think it actually went up four and a half, five points. I think everybody, I think the casuals, and I'm I'm technically a casual one, I bet. And most times I, I bet casually in terms of, like, bet with the people, like bet on the Texans. I'm going against the grain. I like the Cardinals, and I think Kyler Murray goes in there and looks freaking awesome. I think Kyler, here's the other take I I will add to this. I I think they're, I'd say 85%, uh, assuming they win some games and are well out of the top couple picks of Caleb and Drake May, I think they just roll back with Kyler Murray. And they use their picks on other players and just for the next couple years try to build around that player. Because I think you're going to see over the next couple weeks, and listen, he's got his flaws, and he's got to prove that he can stay healthy, but... There's no lock that, like, Caleb Williams is going to be dramatically better than Kyler. You know, I think we always do this with college prospects. I'm guilty, too. Take this guy. Marvin Harrison's the next Jerry Rice. Then all of a sudden, Marvin Harrison, good player, is never a top seven wide receiver. He might be. Might not be. I I was told when Jerry Judy came in the league, he was going to be fucking, you know, the next Marvin Harrison. The The dad. I mean, I watched Jerry Judy. Decent player. But he's not even, like, a top 25 wide receiver in the NFL. It's hard. For every prospect that you think can't miss, most of them miss or even never live up to what you think. Whenever we comp you, like, think of who Caleb – and listen, I'm not trying to crap on Caleb Williams' ability, but his comp is Patrick Mahomes. Before Patrick Mahomes came around, we'd literally never seen that. Now, that's you see it happen with so many players in so many sports. After Draymond, early on in his career, came out, and he was like the Swiss Army knife, could do everything – Every single guy for like five years in the NBA draft who was like kind of a hybrid, didn't have a position, but could do a lot of things like this guy's like Draymond Green. None of them were remotely close to Draymond Green. And obviously it's a higher level when you're talking elite quarterbacks, but I think we just do this sometimes. And I'm not saying he won't be a really good player. He has a lot of talent, but so does Kyler. And I would I, keep an eye on Kyler doing some kind of things that are going to be eye-opening this last month and a half of the season. And I think this leads to Kyler Murray staying as the Arizona Cardinals, which I, I would not have bet on when the season started. But I think you just kind of paying attention. You see where this is going. Like, Kyler Murray's going to be the Cardinals quarterback in 2024. That's my bold take. Brought to you by Guinness. Gather your friends, raise your glasses, and toast to a win. Guinness Draft Stout. Imported by Diageo Beer Company, USA, New York, New York. Please drink responsibly. <laughs> I bet a lot of people listening or watching have been in an accident. I bet a lot of people have been into an intense car accident. And let's face it, not knowing who to call for help is hard. Hiring Morgan & Morgan is easy. Because Morgan & Morgan is America's largest injury law firm with over 100 offices nationwide with more than 800 lawyers. They've recovered over $15 billion for over 300,000 clients. Morgan & Morgan has a proven track record of fighting to get you full and fair compensation. They've been fighting for the people for over 35 years. Submitting an injury claim with Morgan & Morgan is so easy. That's the key. Not having representation is hard. Fighting with Morgan & Morgan is easy. If you've ever been injured, you can check out Morgan & Morgan. Their fee is free unless they win. For more information, go to forthepeople.com slash john or dial pound law. Pound 529 from your cell phone. That's F-O-R, the people, dot com, slash, J-O-H-N. Or Pound Law, pound 529 from your cell phone. This is a paid advertisement.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.
3: okay back at it for another week with my main man from the action network big bets on campus small business owner in lexington kentucky where i checked on my phone kentucky was up then before i went to bed i checked again and they had lost to bill self who has a unlike john calipari that you know rumors are he might be on the hot seat bill self has a, a contract that pays him even when he's dead it's not a lifetime. It's it's a fifty year contract that we'll just keep paying because of the money. But it's it's Coach Calipari in your neck of the woods under a little heat, Stucky.
2: Yeah, it was actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's there's been a lot of rumors swirling, and I've I shouldn't say I'm a small business owner. My it's my my wife and uh, I just it's
3: family, family, family.
2: Yeah, uh, I basically am a small business owner for the amount of money I spend there, but the. Yeah, I, w- I would say, because look, I moved. I moved here in 2018, and I think maybe once, and then they lost right away. But They haven't been out of the first weekend. And this is we're going on six years, um, which by the way kill, I hurt, kills the bars here. Right? All anyone cares about is Kentucky basketball. But we, it's been six years, and this is supposed to be one of the premier college basketball teams. We're not talking about no. Titles, no final fours, no elite, it, just the second weekend, get to the sweet 16. So people have just grown so frustrated. So this is just like, if they don't get to the, out of the first weekend this year. Um, Cause again, you have, you look at the fact they got, again, the top recruiting class Um it's, you know, five-star freshman, you know, number two and three recruit in the country. So yesterday was actually a really good hour. The other night was a really good sign because number one, that none of the they have a couple bigs who didn't even play due to injuries or just not eligible yet, and they had no size in that game. I and mean, Dickinson had I think 27 points and 20 rebounds, but their freshman looked great. So this team has potential. we we'll, can, but other teams have had can, potential uh, at Kentucky over the year. So we'll see if if Cal can put it together. But I, I was generally optimistic from what I saw based on how young that team is without bigs going up against you know the number one team in the country. So. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it plays out. But there if he if there's another flop, and especially if they lose to like another Saint Peter's uh Whoa. in the first round, then it's it's over. Blends yeah, I
3: follow uh J- JT Poston, who's a PGA tour golfer, his caddy and is a cleaning. diehard can Ken- yeah, diehard One Kentucky guy. Friends. Oh, you uh, yeah, and he was tweeting that he's like, you know, I'm actually this positive night. It was a good night. So uh, you know, those Kentucky bat back- when I lived in Philly Jay Wright would kind of come around in, like, 2010, 11, 12. Like, he became a legend later on in the decade. But people forget early on, he was getting bounced. And I remember, you know, it was kind of free agency, draft time. All the TVs would be on. And you'd hear groans throughout the office. One year, they definitely got bounced in the first round. And it was really, really ugly. So, sometimes you go... That's the weird thing about college basketball. You could have a couple years. What what was it? Uh, Was it Virginia when they lost in the first round? Next year, they win yep. the national title. So, this. Tony yeah. Bennett yeah. had that
2: same stigma uh, and yeah. co- especially college basketball. There's, there's so much randomness and it's a tournament. So, uh, you know, you know, has that now is that the new guy in that aspect is uh, Matt Painter and Purdue. I mean, they've, they've been in the first round as one or two seats the past two years lost as a one last year. They also lost people forget because Kentucky did P- Purdue also lost to St. Peter's uh, that year uh, after Kentucky did, but, yeah, so a lot of it is, you know, and I I remember I lived in Philly too at the time and right Jay Wright used to have that stigma attached to him and then he won it and is now regarded and rightfully so as one of the best coaches uh in college basketball history. And Villanova will start to even see that even more. Uh they lost a pen at the legendary palestra the other night. Um so they're they're definitely gonna go they're definitely gonna be a drop in after the Jay Wright left.
3: I I joined this gym Probably within the last couple of weeks. And I, I was on the Stairmaster the other day getting a little sweat and I look over and this guy's wearing Golden State Warrior shorts, skinny guy, and he's wearing an Arizona State basketball shirt. And I can't really, I couldn't really see his face. And then he kind of turns. I'm like, that's fucking Bobby Hurley. You know, no he, you know, <laughs> he must've been getting a little workout before going to work. And then I looked up, they had just gotten their ass kicked by Mississippi State. But I was like, that guy, that guy is called col- that, that guy helped build a sport you know, and take it to the next level. I'm like, I hope everyone in this place, I, I realized I was kind of staring at him, gives this guy the proper respect. Absolute legend right there.
2: Yep. I used to hate uh, him because my dad was a Duke, <laughs> Duke fan and I rooted against Duke. Uh, but yeah, uh, what a legend.
3: Which, you know, I just, I think the Arizona State AD just resigned. So I think he's, you know, might be coached for his job, but come here for NFL talk, get a little college basketball talk. Uh, before we dive into the NFL, You know, next week is usually, obviously, all the rivalry games. You know, Ohio State-Michigan. I I mean, to me, that's... I Googled it the other day. 17 million people watched last year. as the highest-rated college football game in the last 10 years. I think there's a chance, like, of the last, like, 30 years, that's the highest-rated, most-viewed college football game. Maybe ever. I mean, I think the buzz, the drive... Obviously, you know, I was shitting on Ohio State a couple weeks ago. They're clearly pretty good. And they're definitely, as you said, better on defense now. Uh, But that game, I mean... I. Is there any other college football game this year that's going to sniff that in terms of the importance going into it?
2: No, I mean, not until, yeah, the national championship, depending on what you get playoffs. As a, yeah. Yeah. The college football semifinal matchup. The, yeah, that will, that'll, if both teams are undefeated, which they, they should be, then, yeah, that'll smash the, even last year's crazy numbers. The other thing is that it's on, That game, which I actually hate. I mean, I I, sometimes I go back and forth. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. But that game's on at noon. Yeah, so everyone's awake, and there's no other game on that you know gets competing interests. Like next week at at noon on Saturday, yeah, there's going to be nothing else to to compete. Well, I think these
3: networks know you don't even attempt it. There's no point. You're not putting Auburn, Alabama. You don't want to waste any viewer. Just let that stand alone. Because now, yeah. I mean, Harbaugh's taking this to another level, as he usually does with all the craziness. And Ohio State's matched him just because they keep winning. Uh, so it's just, I, I mean, listen, I, I'm not trying to get ahead of ourselves. We got a weekend this, we got a big game it, with uh, a playoff team, but that I fucking can't wait.
2: And yeah, uh, I think he'll ultimately coach in it too, because there's like some precedent for two game suspensions for coaches in situations like this. So they suspended him for three. He'll get his hearing, and it just seems like it'll be one of those things where you know, like these guys in the NFL, and then they go to a hearing, and then you reduce it. It'll be like, hey, you got, we'll give you, you got two games you can coach for Ohio State, and yeah, the the drama with the sign stealing and him returning and uh, a college football playoff position on the line. I I mean, it's the Big Ten championship because the winner gets, yeah, Iowa or Nebraska. You know, they'll kill him.
3: Whether it was a phone call or a text message. I would bet every dollar I have that Harbaugh contacted someone at halftime and said, run the fucking ball every single play. They they cannot score. And that quarterback, and I got, you know, I'm sure a million Penn State guys. My Penn State buddies were so fired up on this season. They're like, this guy, he's like the college version of Josh Allen. And I've watched him in two important games. He stinks. I mean, you can fire the offensive that That quarterback... Is not good, and Harbaugh has wet dreams about like Kyle Shanahan. If if he could win a game seven nothing only run plays, they would gladly do it. And that second half, Harbaugh's dreams of games like that since he was a he was a wee lad in like the seventies.
2: Yeah, no one would. No one perf- would. I don't think anyone in the world would be happier with a win in that fashion than. Harbaugh, not even a. to Would you say Shanahan
3: and, and 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 uh Harbaugh are the only two guys that dream of runs?
2: Yes. Definitely definitely dream of runs. And uh yeah, the, I have to give look, yeah, and he's terrible. There's like there's and yeah, he was a very highly five rated five star recruit. There's two kind of transitions when you're you know, you have all the tools and you're a five star. You go from you know, your high school to college, and you don't know you can have all the tools until the guy gets in there just cuz you you're a five star it it comes down to just milliseconds of pocket awareness uh you know timing being able to read defense processing information milliseconds right it's very Cra- crazy know. away
3: game noise
2: you know intense yeah. environments yeah you got to have poise short term memory like all oh, you have to have all, it's all these intangibles when you're talking about all you know among the kids that have all the tools and then so say you have a kid that does that uh and is really good in college That's one speed. That doesn't mean that you're going to be good in the NFL. Then that's the next question. Okay, you think you can be quicker and better and more refined than all of that. And then that's why, you know, you see a lot of these five stars jump to NFL and they don't have it. I mean, look at Bryce Young and Stroud. He clearly has it. But, yeah, that was an amazing game. I actually bet some Penn State reluctantly uh, and came back to buy me big Jane games, falls again. But my the Michigan tackles are way down this year, and Penn State has – you know, some of the best edge rushers in the country's kid will go in the first round, maybe another in the second. And I said, they're these Michigan tackles, they've been getting beat by like, and they didn't even play to anybody. I watched those first three series and I said, Michigan is not going to be able to throw the ball at all. They, I mean, they, they, McCarthy dropped back and he was under fire. I said, man, Penn State's going to be live in this game. They're going to have to, they can win this game ugly. And then credit to Michigan, even without their head coach, who, as you said, I'm sure had input. They completely outcoached them because they just made an adjustment. They would run on first, second. They would then they would just run like quarterback power, quarterback sweep on third and long. Didn't even attempt to pass this the game. And Penn State never adjusted. They're still rushing the edges, and then they were giving up lanes. Just a uh, coaching mismatch, and James Franklin got outcoached again. Shocker. Well, then to
3: me that you know that's a good little nugget right there because if Michigan handles business, wins against Ohio State, and is in the playoffs. Whether Oregon makes a run, I mean, I watched that game against USC. Their pass rush, they got dudes. Obviously, Florida State has the big time pass rusher, and they historically always have good defensive linemen. We know if Alabama has, is if
2: they get there too, yeah, they have great. Yeah, address.
3: Alabama and Georgia. I mean, both those two teams are just gonna have, I don't know, NFL defensive linemen. So that's that's something i i didn't I didn't realize that. I mean, I, I don't like them as much for everyone anointing them as this gonna win the national title if that is a bugaboo against the teams that you have to play in those final like you're not getting tcu this year right yeah. you're getting you're getting a team that's gonna have nfl pass rushers hell even yeah. if washington makes it they, they one of their pass rushers is really good you know he's yeah. a first round level talent so you're gonna have yeah, to, got to you're not gonna GTA be you're not gonna totally. be able to do that right in, in the playoff games you run the ball like kyle shanahan against the aaron Rodgers, whatever five years ago with jimmy Garoppolo. you're gonna have to pass
2: yeah, and, and Michigan's run numbers are way down this year as a whole, way down. I mean, they were running wild last year, and, you know, they they had a left tackle. Their right tackle was kind of weak last year. Their center got drafted in the first or second round. They got another kid who's pretty good from Stanford who's, I think, a step below. But their right tackle was a weakness last year. He's still there. The left tackle got drafted by the Dolphins, and the replacement that is a, this Arizona State transfer who just is getting beat. And they're, it's affecting their run game as well. So the run game hasn't been as good. Now, they played nobody, and they got away with it uh, all year. But that's one of the reasons McCarthy had has such good numbers going into last week, because they weren't running the ball well. They were throwing it, and they were playing all these bad secondaries. So, yeah, I think the ultimate downfall of this Michigan team is going to be that offensive line. Um, but uh, we shall see. I, I also can't wait for Iowa State-Michigan.
3: Okay, one big game this week. You mentioned the line has shifted over the last – this week. I mean, Oregon State is really good. I, I think if I'm UCLA and I fire Chip Kelly, I mentioned this on the podcast yesterday, Jonathan Smith is my hire. He's from Pasadena, what he's done at Oregon State. His team is just kind of – now he's a Chris Peterson disciple, kind of wired and built like some of those Boise teams, a little different in the sense that the transfer portal, his starting quarterback, You sp- speaking of five-star guys that couldn't handle it. Listen, DJ hasn't turned himself into some first-round player, but he's definitely, I would say, resurrected his career a little bit there, and this team is really physical. Washington has just not looked the same since that Oregon game when Oregon has kind of ascended, even though it looks like these two teams are destined to play each other. But, uh, you know, the Apple Cup can get weird, and this it's not inconceivable all of a sudden Washington is going to struggle to win these two. They're an underdog. Now, I've been to Corvallis when I was scouting, tiny little town that loves their team, especially when they're good, that place is going to be fucking bananas. I mean, it's going, to be, it's going to be an intense environment. This is just kind of light up the scoreboard versus just tough physical team. Not that Oregon State can't score, but, I mean, under Jonathan Smith, they're really more of a run the ball, throw the ball to the tight end type operation, I would say, over the last couple of years. Is that fair?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is a team that's built like more of a – you know, a premier team in the nineties. Um yeah. they they have arguably, I think they're gonna get their their star center back this week from injury too. They have arguably the best offensive line in college football. Uh and they're all just older, experienced dudes. Their offensive line is great. They have you know, two really good running backs and Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick. Uh, this team is an elite at running the ball. And what Washington cannot defend the run. I mean at all. You, their bottom five and things like line yards, which look at like the push that they give up bottom five and rush success rate allowed. And if you look at, you know, some of the teams that they play that actually can run the ball. Well, I mean, USC was running just a wide, wide open. Every one of the runs was 10 to 20 yards. Uh, so, I mean, even like Utah last week, you go back to Oregon was running all over them. Um, so this Washington Rundy is very vulnerable. And the, so what I think is going to happen, Oregon state should be able to, to move the ball at will here, just on the ground. And then safeties are going to have to come down. And this Washington defense, I mean, look, Washington has been very fortunate. They beat Oregon by three. Oregon can't get its fourth down. They beat Arizona state by a touchdown at home. They don't score a touchdown. Arizona state can't make a field goal. Then throws a pick six at the end of the game to lose. They've only beat Stanford by nine. Uh, you know, Stanford is 500 yards in that game. Then they beat USC by 10 in a back and forth game. And then last week they only beat Utah by seven. Uh, so they, they've won six straight games by 10 or less they've been they and they've had injuries at safety and they just don't have the same depth as some of the premier teams yeah so they've had other injuries on defense and this defense is vulnerable so i think oregon state who by the way you mentioned corvallis 17 and one against the spread at home in their past 18 home games 17 and one insane uh so yeah I, I so i think oregon state's gonna be able to move the ball now washington especially if they get McMillan back, they already have two of the best other receivers in the country. And and you have Penix at quarterback. They're going to be able to throw it a bit. They can do that against anyone and Oregon state two good safeties. Corners little weak. Uh, They're just okay. So Washington's going to be able to throw it, but what Oregon state does really well and does better than almost any team in the country, because they're just so well coached is they are elite in the red zone And on offense and defense. So number one, because they can run the ball so well. They are they just finish drives off with touchdowns more times than not. And that's going to be easy to do against Washington. And then they they kind of bend but don't break on defense. Washington, meanwhile, they're really bad in the red zone on both ends. Part of that is their offense. Once they kind of get reduced in space, it's harder for that offense to operate. So I think Washington's gonna be able to move the ball. I mean, that's just what they do. They're gonna lead offense. But I think Oregon State's gonna get a couple stops in the red zone. And they're going to finish off more of their drives with a touchdown. That's what it's going to come down to. I mean, this game should be close competitive, but uh, it's a clash style. I mean, if you, uh, a style clash, I should say, if you, you know, you're going to have this one team that wants to line up and shotgun, throw it all over the field, and the other team that wants to kind of just grind and pound you to death. And they can hit explosive runs too. So, yeah, it's a, I love this. The atmosphere should be great. I bet Oregon State, I think Washington goes down. And then, uh, Oregon State could knock off Washington and then you know that gift with the Grim Reaper and then next week they could beat Oregon knock Oregon out and this is what the Pac-12 does they usually cannibalize themselves and they would go to the Pac-12 uh, championship game
3: i got the uh DraftKings Sports Casino right down the street from my house i i think i'm going to go down there tomorrow and place a large wager on Oregon State that game's at Love night I, that's i i think that's the type of game you just control the clock you don't give their offense a chance. I, I like Jonathan Smith. Could be a could could be a nail in the coffin of his pursuit to a new you know, I don't even know if he'd leave. He's from there. He was a quarterback when Chad Johnson was a wide receiver. But you win a game like this with everyone paying attention on a kind of a down week night game. I mean, it's that'd be a big moment for the dude. So yep. I I'm a I'm a giant Jonathan Smith fan. Let's get in the NFL. The Rams, Stetson Bennett made an appearance a couple weeks ago at Georgia, so he's alive, but he's not on the Rams, so they had to sign Carson Wentz. But it looks like Matt Stafford's back this week uh, playing Seattle, who wins a lot of weird games. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Their games just are never easy, though they're clearly headed to the playoffs. Uh, Sean McVay, little bye week, take deep breath, baby. You know, what what are you thinking? Rams, plus one. At home against Seattle? Is that, is that Yep.
2: This game's uh, this
3: game's in LA, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I like the Rams here. The this is part of the the circle of life in the uh NFC West. There's like certain teams. And you know, now because like Arizona has changed a little bit, but it used to be you know, the Rams own the Cardinals, who own the 49ers, who own the Rams, who also own the Seahawks who won the 49ers. Like, this is how, what it used to be. Yeah. Which I, and there was just certain teams that match up well. One of them is, the and this one still holds, is the Rams own the Seahawks. McVay just owns that defense. Now, they don't run pure cover three like they used to, but they still run a good amount in Seattle. And McVay just rips it apart. Nine and one against the spread in their past 10 meetings, uh, including the postseason. Even last year, the Seahawks had a win twice to get into the playoffs late in the season against the Rams. The Rams had John Wolford uh and then they signed Baker Mayfield off the street. The Rams covered both those games. The Seahawks won by 3 and 3. They barely won both of those games. Go back to week 1. I mean, Stafford absolutely dominated them and they ran away oh, with it yeah. in Seattle. So, uh number, and by the way, I think Seattle has San Francisco a little bit of a and you know, you have the Rams coming off of a bye, getting healthier. They should get their linebacker back, their right tackle back and then Stafford's most back. Stafford. Uh, and you know the Seahawks coming off a hard-fought game, 49ers on a short week coming up, so it's a, b- a bad situational spot. But this, uh, you know, what I what ultimately it's Matt Stafford and those receivers are going to be able to rip apart what I think is a semi-overrated Seattle defense. I mean, look, you, you saw what happened when they went to Baltimore last week. Sam Howell looks like an all-pro through all. I mean, just absolutely off. They don't get a ton of natural pressure. I think they're secondary. I love the kid Witherspoon, but just as a whole is attackable. And Geno Smith, I think, will make a key mistake or two here. And Rams will come out of the bye. McVay, good off a of bye, great off of a loss. Um, one of the most profitable head coaches in NFL history off of a loss. And this is just a great matchup for them. Rams match up really well. Know how to attack that defense. So, yeah, I'll take the Rams plus one at home against Seattle.
3: Okay, uh, the Lions, it wasn't a primetime game, but it was the afternoon game on a shitty slate, and everyone was watching Lions Chargers get an enormous win and kind of solidify themselves as clearly, you know, Niners, Eagles, them, Cowboys, the big four in the NFC by far. There's no one else that is even in their level. Division games get weird, and listen, Iberflus, why I think physically he looks terrible, like, bro, needs a tan, needs to eat, looks like he knows he's going to get fired. Their defense has been playing better over these last several games. Uh, division games, just I, I don't care what your record are. There's also a human element to this. Like, at this point, I, I know the Lions haven't done anything, but they're clearly good, and they got up for the Charger game. Like, it's hard to watch the Bears and take them as seriously when you're playing a Division Two quarterback. I guess uh, Fields could start this week, so he's going to have fresh legs. That, that makes them a little more dangerous. I mean, Badgett at any moment could have a decent play, but he also can look pretty terrible. There's an element running here. I think some of these division games, Sucky, I, I think I might. The Giants I would throw away right now. But you get more of a touchdown. I don't care how bad the team is, especially with if you have your starting quarterback. I, is that a bad philosophy to have late in the year? Because I think everyone's all just blowouts. That's not usually the way it works.
2: Yep. Yeah. I mean, if you go back historically, divisional dogs of seven or more at any point in the season – are like 54% against the spread over the past 50 years. That's yeah. really, really good. Uh, everywhere oh, yeah. else you look, it's 50% just in the in an efficient NFL market at close. Um, and, you know, teams that are, if you even filter it further, like teams that have been covering a lot and against winning teams where the market might be a little inflated in, you know, November, December, it gets up to like 59, 60%, which this fits. So yeah, I think this line is just a little bit too high. It's coming down. I think it should be a touchdown. Um, but it's still still eight. I played some eight and a half, nine, nine and a half. Uh, Fields should play. Uh, I was announced that he's good to go. You got a little couple extra days of rest here too. They played on Thursday night, so a little extended buy. I think this is the peak of the market on the lines. They're really good. Their defense is still not good. They played some horrendous quarterbacks this year or like early in the season backups and just bad quarterbacks. Uh, And they got, they their numbers were a bit inflated anytime they've stepped up in class and they can't get a stop and they can't stop any mobile quarterbacks. You know, even quarterbacks that move a little bit. I mean, you saw what Herbert did last week, Lamar Jackson. I mean, just ran them out of a building. Uh, so their secondary, their
3: secondary stinks.
2: Horrendous. So yeah, the bears offensive line is they're getting a little bit better. Their offensive line is healthier. Fields, apparently from some of the things I've read, he's worked like his five and seven uh, step dropbacks where he was so slow and like just, and then you can't do that in the NFL. Apparently he's like sped up to, you know, an NFL over the, that's what he's been working on. Um, so him just getting back there quicker, but yeah, him using his legs here, you know, you have a healthier wide receiver room that's improved. And then you mentioned that the defense bears run defense is top five in the NFL this year. So the run D has been really good because you know they spent all their money on their linebackers. But the over the past three or four weeks, their defense is trending up in the secondary because their secondary is healthy. Um, you know, Jalen Johnson's playing better. You got Jackson and Brisker back at safety. So and both your corners are actually playing pretty well, Gordon uh and Johnson. They're one of the top five teams in the NFL defending number one receiver. So they could kind of hang in the run game, hang against Amon Ra. That's they can kind of hang around here. And why is this the secondary is not only is it healthier? You also can get an edge rush now because you had Sweat. You had nothing. You had Ngakwe, who can still get there once in a while, but he's older, and then teams just say, all right, we'll take you away. But now you have Sweat. You know, Against the Panthers, they were getting a ton of pressure. Before that, they were dead last in the NFL in pressure rate. That obviously helps the secondary as well. I don't think they're going to get a ton of pressure. The Lions' offensive line is elite, but this defense is definitely better than the numbers it's put up. So defense is improving. Field's back. Pretty good matchup here. Can use his legs. We'll hit some throws against this bad line. Secondary divisional game, catching over a touchdown. Uh, Got to go with the Bears here.
3: I think one of the weirdest seasons we've ever seen is the Browns. When you factor in all the weird shit with Deshaun Watson. Because it was it was clear earlier, like, God damn, this defense is elite. And, you know, then you lose Chubb like they did. Was that a Monday Night Football? Yeah, it was against Steelers on Monday Night Football. They just had some devastating injuries. And then he finally, however many games into his career, technically it's more than 12, but he it's his 12th start, he has the best half of football he'd ever had, right? 14 of 14, had a two-point conversion, had a touchdown throw. He just looked like a solid player. And if he was a solid player, you went, like, why couldn't that team be in the AFC championship if he's just solid? And then a couple days later, he's out for the season with a broken bone or something in his shoulder? It's... It's still bizarre to me, whatever, 24 hours after it was announced, but it is what it is. I mean, he's crying in his press conference like he's gone. So now they're going with a backup quarterback. To me, this definitely, I don't know, on the short term, you might get a little juice, but the the long term, like you look at their schedule, it is manageable, but I, I can't take them seriously as a playoff contender now with him gone. Uh, DTR starting Clearly, you might as what's the point? In, like, we're not in trying to just win now mode to try to get Deshaun back. Like he's gone, you might as well just go with the young guy. That makes me nervous, though, man. I mean, I I, I think a huge advantage he had in the preseason, DTR, who was I, I'd say one of the guys that everyone went like, God, is this guy a star? He was a fifth year senior. He had played forever in college. You know, the preseason there aren't you're just playing the same defense over and over. And then we saw him in the real game against the Ravens, and it was a joke. Uh, so playing the Steelers. You know, I, I I don't really love now. This game is at home, but still, I think I guess that Ravens game was at home too, huh? When he when he got the start because they just beat the Ravens in Baltimore. Yeah, I, listen, I, the, the 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 Steelers offense makes you nervous. I don't give a shit if they're playing Alabama, but I, I just have a hard time rookie quarterback who just looks so bad. And I, I think you got to throw away that preseason. I I, I I can't really bet the Steelers because they play in the same freaking game all the time. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, the, the Browns make me nervous.
2: Yeah, I played the Browns here. I was I wouldn't have laid over three last week. Well, we we didn't recap last week. I I can tell you about the Steelers' luck because I I watched it firsthand last week. We had him three and a
3: half. The Packers and he's throwing a touchdown. It bounces off the DB right into the safety's hand.
2: Yeah. Not only that. Uh. Yeah. That was what we. Did. Luckily, the Texans and Cowboys got there easy. Packers should have covered. They two things happened. They missed an extra point otherwise they would have tied the game a million times they went up and down the field they had 400 yards of offense this dead offense by the way i think the steelers defense a bit overrated they have two they have great defensive line and edge rushers they're going to make plays but jordan love all of a sudden looked like an all pro last week uh moving the ball up and down the field how about a couple weeks ago will levis against the steelers uh everyone's like oh uh, he can't complete a pass now um so this steelers defense I think might be a bit overrated but um Last week, there's a backwards pass. Kenny Pickett just turns around, throws it backwards, three yards. It's clear. It's, it, Packers get it, go to the three-yard line. The, they reviewed it and just said it stands. I, if you haven't seen that, I, I was I missed that. absolutely perplexed. The, the luck that the Steelers have had, they've had six wins, all by one possession, all in comeback fashion. They've been outgained in all nine games. There's only been 20 teams over the last 100 years that have been outgained in all nine games. That's the company that they're in. They're the only team with a winning record, and they're six and three. Their expected wins, if you go based on performance, is two. They should basically be basically playing like a two and seven team. <laughs> go back to the Browns game. They came back to beat the Browns. You know, they had two defensive touchdowns late. They had negative yards over the final 20 minutes, and they came back from 10 down with negative yards. Uh, this team is a complete fraud. I mean, like their offense is so bad. It's bad. it's poorly schemed. Pickett is horrendous. They're just getting so lucky uh, in so many facets. And there's going to be a ton of regression coming. Kind of reminds me of that team that started out like, uh, what, 10-0 uh, a couple years back. And then they took their medicine the rest of the way. But, um, yeah, so when I look at this game, I wasn't going to lay over three in, with a low scoring game. And for what it's worth, this is the spread is now Browns minus one. And I, I like Cleveland here. Totals down to thirty-three. We and if you go back, I don't. This is maybe kind of random. Go back over the past thirty years. Home teams in divisional games with a total of thirty-four or less have gone twenty-five and eight against the spread, 76 percent. I don't know why. Like why? Could just be random. It's a small sample size, or it could just be like you. These games are super low scoring, and you, the home team just makes another play in front of the crowd. I don't know, but. The interesting thing is, is that the, we haven't seen this scoring uh, isn't as low as it used to be. The last time we saw this 2012 spread was one total was 33 Browns hosting the Steelers Browns starting a rookie quarterback uh, in that game Browns win on eight Pittsburgh turnovers. Um, so that was the last time we've seen it. I, I found that interesting when I was digging into the game, but I just try I trust the Browns defense here. They're the. I think they're the best defense in the NFL. They're going up against this horrendous, horrendous Steelers offense. that couldn't do a thing in the first matchup. I, I mean, a, literally a thing. DTR looked horrendous, but was playing against a really good Ravens defense. Found that he was playing starting that day, that morning. Wasn't running with the ones. I mean, that's an impossible task for a rookie quarterback. So he, he at least got his beak wet. I liked what I saw from him in college. I don't think they're going to ask him to do much. I mean, they're going to hand it off, punt no. it and then rely on their defense. After that game against the Ravens, you know, and this game is huge for the Browns. They're just going to say, look, we'll we'll run, run, run. Maybe we'll take a deep shot where if you throw a pick, a play action. Why why don't they go
3: Michigan, Michigan, Penn State level game plan?
2: Should I actually, I suggested on my podcast that I would punt on first down every first down. I'd punt because you, you take away the Steelers voodoo of like fumbles and then you maximize the amount of times that Kenny Pickett has the ball against that defense. So I would just, I, I would just not have a quarterback. I'd have a, my quarterbacks just sitting there in case I, I'm down late. That's it. But I would just punt on first down. Uh, it's only semi joking. But the I, the Browns defense is the best unit in this game with two questionable, you know, quarterback situations, and it's going to come down to who can make a play on defense. I'm going to trust the Browns at home. I think DTR will look a little bit better. There's a ton of regression coming for the Steelers team that just is getting lucky every single week in the fourth quarter. Um, and that, that just simply won't keep up. So I think DTR will look a little better, but the Browns aren't going to do much uh, here on offense. And I think the Browns' defense will come to play and ultimately win this game. It'll end like – they'll win at like 13-10. So, uh, yeah, I'll take yeah. the Browns minus one.
3: I was going to say 13-9. That, that feels like this game. 13-9. Feels right. Oh, okay, Stucky, go beeves. and
2: uh, yep. let's enjoy let's the weekend. Sweating, okay. Let's do it. Let's get to the window with the Beavers, and uh, yeah, good luck. Let's this do weekend. it, baby. See you next week. The volume.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage. And the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.